0: All right, the time has arrived. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. So before I start getting to all the questions that everyone posted, I um, wanted to give some informal updates on uh, what we're working on right now. So most of you probably know that we just integrated with Jupiter, and uh, uh, it's looking pretty good. Um, tons of volume in the first 24 hours. Um, yeah, so we're going to keep monitoring that. Um, it's still early, so yeah. Um, so our initially our plan was to the next thing to do was to add a stable pool um, and deposit the remainder of the assets that the Flare DAO has. Um, but after doing some testing, we realized that um, you can't just do the exact same thing for non-stable pools as we are doing for the um, volatile pools. So yeah, we're going to need to study them some more, um, see what kind of adjustments we're going to need to make. So in the meantime, um, we're thinking of creating another non-stable pool um, using the the remainder of the flare dials funds, uh, most likely Sol-UST or Sol-USDT. yeah, but this is not set in stone, so not hundred percent. But yeah, that's currently what we're thinking. And uh, after that, um, the the order of what I'm about to say might change. But some of the other things we're going to be working on in the near future is uh, one thing is we need to develop an API for Jupiter to automatically add new pools. Um, I didn't I didn't know that needed to be done separately, but apparently it does. So yeah, once we develop this, then every time we add a new pool, it'll it'll just be automatically added, which would be cool. So we're gonna do that. Um, And then the next thing is that we're gonna add a few more pools and then start accepting deposits, which there's a lot of people who have been waiting for this feature. So yeah, that'll be exciting. And then of course, we're also looking to release our tokenomics very soon. Um, Right now we're getting feedback from a few people um trying to really polish it before we release it into the wild so stay tuned for that but yeah and one more thing about um the uh the flare dow funds uh people often ask like how how much in total is there so just to give like a quick quick update on that um so of course we started with 15k soul that's how much we raised in the sale of the nfts um, right now in our pools, we have about 16K, a little over 16K. And then we have about 4K remaining uh, that we have not deposited to any pools yet. It's just sitting there. Um, so in total, we have about 20K. Uh, mm-hmm. the reason we have so much, one reason is we were kind of lucky with our timing of selling our soul. Um, it, that was around like $180 or $170, something like that. Um, so yeah, we just ended up with more USD. So that was lucky. And then the other thing is we have a bunch that we gained from royalties and then a little bit from trading fees. Of course, the trading fees portion should increase going forward. But yeah, so we have about 20k plus right now. Um, yeah, that was a common question. So glad I could give an update on that. All right. That's about it for the updates. Um, oh yeah, and I should mention, um, no, I, I guess I already did. But yeah, we're recording this, so you can watch it later um, when we release it. We'll release it on YouTube and also at, uh, as a podcast. So yeah, whatever's convenient for you. All right, let's get on with the questions. First question from Doge, we have, will you provide an allocation for Flare holders in the IDO? The answer is no, the allocation for flare holders has always been the 1% that we promised in the uh, original article. Um, We've never had any plans to change that. And uh, I mean, just to give like a quick rationale of why that would not be a good idea. Basically what that would do is it would basically create a ton of FOMO for the NFTs for our flares. And like, okay, yeah, so then flare holders benefit. but um it kind of screws over all the other people um basically it makes less people um participate in the ido because flare holders um get like some kind of outsized benefit um yeah and so that would be an unhealthy dynamic basically um benefiting flare holders at the expense of the protocol so we're not going to do that Next question. GeoCrown asks, I want to put SOL USDC into the liquidity pool. Will that option be announced and will uh Lfinity invite holders get any earlier chance to do this? Yeah, so like I said, um, we're working on this. It's coming up. And um I think we made an announcement earlier that we have a whitelist for who will be able to deposit first. And we also announced that uh, those who hold a flare will get um, priority to be able to t- to deposit. So yeah. Next question: Chronic Trips asks uh, Soul Terra liquidity pools. Uh, so Soul Luna, I guess, is what you mean. Uh, maybe. So like the criteria for which pools we choose to open is mainly one, how much volume does it have? Because uh, the more volume, the uh, more profitable it'll be for us, and also for um, LPs. So um, yeah, I haven't looked at Soul Luna in particular. I don't really think it's a huge pool, so probably not soon. But yeah, and the other one is, uh, do the tokens in the pair have a Pith Oracle um i'm not sure if luna does i wouldn't be surprised if it does but yeah so that's another criteria that we need to add a pool next question Sol re asks following the ido what are the next steps forward what is the role of mucky now that the nfts are finished so yeah uh, so all all things after the IDO will become clear once we announce our tokenomics because that will tell you like what we're going to be trying to accomplish longer term as a protocol. Um, so yeah, just wait for the tokenomics on that. And then what role is, does Maki have now? So she is our designer. Yes, her, probably the most um, toilsome part of her job was making the NFTs. She really grinded for those. Um, now she does um, a few designs here and there. So like our infographics, uh that we're making for our articles our weekly stats updates we've been creating some stickers for our discord so she's doing stuff like that um yeah she's she's a quiet one so I guess you haven't really heard from her but yeah she's working in the background all right next question we have Lord Prince asking right now there are two pools with the nft sales money do you think there is enough liquidity to successfully open new pools with that money yes could you shed some light on the numbers available for new pools yeah so i think i answered this we have about 4k left and yeah we'll probably open a new pool and put the 4k in there so that's the current plan not set in stone but yeah ontario asks what will you be doing with the bought back nfts will they be burnt so the Flare dow is in charge of the bought back nfts so they will decide what will be done with them. Ontario also asks, does the rarity have any advantages when it comes to token distribution? Is there any reason why the token distribution is tapped, or capped, I think you mean, at 1%? It seems like a very low percentage. Maybe I'm missing something here. Cheers. So rarity. Rarity does not have any advantage. It is only aesthetic. But people nevertheless speculate on it or um, like to ascribe higher value to rare flares. So there's always that. Um, Is there any reason why it's capped at 1%? Yeah, so basically, um, so some protocols, they use their NFTs like as their main token distribution mechanism. Um, Probably the most well-known is um, SSC um well the name is <laughs> the meaning of those words are actually not coming to my mind right now um shadowy super did, yeah shadowy Supercoders. um <laughs> they so they I think gave away 50% of their supply through their um through their NFTs so that made it their main distribution or token distribution mechanism and with us that's not our main one our IDO will be the main one and then the uh, mechanism after the idea, which you will we'll talk all about um, in our tokenomics. Um, so, yeah. And uh, so I, uh, I mean, so the thing that you may be missing that you're referring to because you say ours is a low percentage. And I mean, yeah, compared to 50, it's it's a low percentage. So the huge difference is that um, unlike I don't think anyone else, any other NFT project has done this but we did not take any profit from the mint. So none of the soul that was raised went to us as a team. We didn't make any money from this. Um, All that soul was placed in our liquidity pools um, and is earning trading fees for the NFT holders. And uh, that's the main mechanism, is that these NFTs are backed by a huge amount of soul that is earning um, trading fees for them. And uh, yeah, the, the lifinity token airdrop is more like a bonus. I think that is the correct way to think about this. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's not, you can't really make an apple, or it, it is an apples to oranges comparison um, comparing like our NFT project with other ones, because they're p- taking profit. So like if you're going to take profit, you probably have to give a larger percent of your token supply to motivate people to buy. But in any case, like our our NFTs are doing fine. They're doing great. So yeah, I don't think the one percent is problematic in any way. Some questions never die. <laughs> Maybe after the IDO, this question will not come up anymore. Anyhow, moving on. Introvert Monkey asks, uh, tokenomics, or if there isn't one, the plan to release it. So uh, we'll just say soon. Um, they're basically complete. We're just, um, polishing the articles that explain our tokenomics. And two, when will pools open for deposits? Also soon. Um, we don't have specific dates yet, but yeah. And three, ideal plan. Also soon. (laughs) Um, After we open pools and also, also after we release our tokenomics. Um, yeah, we tend to not give, like, fixed dates for these because, um, I mean, one, we don't have them, but usually just giving fixed dates, it doesn't really accomplish anything. Um, Yeah, but uh, as I explained earlier, you know like the the things we're working on next, so you know what to expect in the near future. All right, Tom asks, do you consider stable pools an option to be added? Yes, so I explained in the intro that yeah, this is something we're studying um, and there's some differences from um, volatile pools. So we'll be, um yeah we'll be studying them and yeah definitely looking to add them zero x or triple zero x asks uh when all flare liquidity deployed so that's also soon as i explained earlier um uh, about 4k soul remaining so yeah and when batch voting so this is totally up to uh, squads which is a governance app that will enable us to do batch voting. I think they're gonna release it in their V2, which apparently is coming soon, but I don't know the details on that. Um, Yeah, so hopefully soon, we'll see. Also from 000x, is there a point where adding more liquidity to a pool doesn't bring any further benefits? Yeah, so this is actually a topic we get into in our tokenomics, Um, but the answer is uh, yes. So, there's a trade-off when you add more liquidity um, that means you can provide um, more liquidity so people will be able to trade with less slippage on the other hand that means lps won't be earning as much because their their share of the trading fees is getting diluted um so we're going to try to aim for the optimal point where we have just enough liquidity to provide... um, So basically we're trying to maximize the trading fee per unit of liquidity provided. Um, But yeah, just wait for the tokenomics for the details on how exactly we try to accomplish that. Sidens asks, when will we start to win some weekly distributions? So I think this is one of the common misunderstandings. I think people think um, that we distribute sold directly to your wallet because this is a common thing that other projects do. We don't work work like that. Um, To give you the the short version, basically we use every, we use all the royalties and trading fees to do buybacks, or we put it back into our liquidity pools. Um, And our liquidity pools are earning trading fees that will be used for buybacks. So basically it all goes to buybacks one way or another. Um, so basically instead of sending you sold directly, we are increasing the value of the NFTs that you hold. Um, that's how the value is quote distributed. All right. I'm doing all right. Um, just want to check to make sure like there's no audio problems and I'm like missing it. If there's like any problems, can somebody tag me in the flare DAO channel? Um yeah, that'd be great. Alright, next question. SMB681 asks. I know that we're talking about following or no, sorry. I know that we're talking about allowing additional LP tokens to enter in the future. The pools that the Elefinity DEX hosts. I'm curious if you can speak to an amount of funds that the pool would be properly, quote, filled, per se. Um. Yeah, so I guess I already answered this. Um. Th- so yeah, there is a point beyond which the amount of trading fees earned per unit of liquidity starts to decline because there's just too much li- liquidity. It's like, more than we need. Um, so yeah, we try to aim for um, the max. We have a nice a nice visual graph um, explaining this. So that, yeah, again, you just have to wait for the tokenomics article to, to see this in full. Um, but yeah, suffice it to say, we have a mechanism where we ensure the liquidity um, does not get too diluted. Um, it's very different from anything, um, other DEXs have done. Um, yeah, because we have such, we can, we can, uh, have such high levels of concentration, we really don't need that much liquidity in total, which is great. It's very capital efficient. Um, but on the other hand, that can create a lot of demand for people to be LPs on our platform. So yeah, I understand where you're coming from. It's like, how are you going to limit LPs, basically, it's kind of the question, I think. But yeah, uh, it's something we thought about. And uh, you'll be reading about it very soon, so stay tuned. I'm um, continuing on with that same question. As Xerox has put it, is there a way to tell when additional LP being added to the pools is no longer providing a benefit as far as increased volume slash trades being routed through the pool? So i think the way to detect this is i mean you just have to take a slice of time and be like okay how many how much trading or like what, what is the i guess you just take the trading fees earned over that time period and divide it by the time weighted average liquidity that we had during that time and that's your like average trading fee per unit of lp and uh yeah you can just com- compare that Across different slices of time, and uh, if it starts to go down as liquidity increases, then you know you've you've uh, went beyond that point. Um, I don't think there's like a precise mathematical way to like measure that because like it's dependent on trading volume and all that, so it's a empirical science. But yeah, there is a way like you can observe it basically, and still continuing on with the same question. I'd imagine that increasing the size of the pool will considerably increase the fee revenue generated by each pool at least up until a certain point uh, let's see yeah yeah so correct so up until a certain point um the the fact that we're able to provide better liquidity means that we're we're capturing a larger share of volume But beyond a certain point the extra volume that we capture starts to become very small and the dilution of um of trading fees per unit of lp starts to get diluted faster than the extra um amount of volume that that we would capture from the extra liquidity so yeah yeah uh you are definitely thinking about it the correct way good thoughts Alright, moving on to the next question. Actually, let me Oh never mind. Okay, we're good. Leo Crypto asks, I'd like to piggyback off of this question, uh, previous question. Will you look at raising the 1% token distribution? Could we make it a vote in the DAO where you highlight the pros and cons of doing so? Yeah, so I guess I already talked about this. Probably not much more to say. Basically, it would benefit um, NFT holders and it would definitely create FOMO. Like it it would pump the NFT price, right? Um, but the cost is that, uh, the protocol itself would suffer because basically like it has less funds to work with. And, uh, I mean, truth be told, the, uh, the flares are doing just fine. Um, I don't really see a point and in increasing the 1% like literally the only reason would be to pump their price and we're not here for the pump and dump so all right vix asks how much are we expecting to raise via the ideo do we have an estimate yet um so i think this question will be moot and you'll understand why once you see our ideo mechanism how it works um which will come at the end of our uh series on tokenomics um yeah jason asks how easy is it for a competition to compete on price that is someone offering 0.03 percent fees and taking a big share yeah let's see how easy is it i guess it depends i mean like one thing is what is the structure of uh the governance of whatever platform um, if it's centralized, that makes it a lot more easier to change the fees, and probably like most AMMs are pretty centralized on Solana right now. Like it's basically up to the team, in a lot of places. Um, so yeah, I think I think changing it to point zero three in that sense is easy. Um, whether it's like viable, that's another question. So. One thing is, um, I think a lot of exchanges are basically dependent on inflationary token rewards to maintain um, liquidity. So, like, for example, if it was just trading fees, then, like, that, that wouldn't be close to providing the yield they would need to maintain, like, the current liquidity that they have like the vast majority of their apy comes from inflationary token rewards um so the point of that being even if you lowered their um fees from like say 0.3 percent to 0.03 percent um like it wouldn't make much of a difference to the apy and so yeah actually i think it is possible that they could lower their fees that low. Um, so I think in the end, I think it, it comes down to like, well, one is like your tokenomics, like is, is inflationary token rewards sustainable for maintaining, um, those levels of liquidity? I think probably not. I mean, cause some, at one point you just run out of tokens to reward with. Right. I mean the other thing is like how efficient is your your decks um and in that sense like Laffinity is pretty amazing because um if you look on our pools page and uh like what trading fees are we generating and not just that but what profit are we making from market making um there's a huge difference i think this is something we'll be talking a lot more about in the future but um if you have a constant product pool or even if you have a uniswap v3 style pool there's only one direction you can go in terms of making profit from market making and that is down you can only lose i mean so this is known as impermanent loss right it's called impermanent loss because it's actually impossible to make a profit from market making from trading with these designs um, whereas Lefinity, because it uses an oracle, it's able to, so it's still possible to, um, incur impermanent loss. But like, as you've seen from our tests, we recently released an article on this. Um, and we've done testing even before that article too. Um, we generally make a profit from market making. Um, so it's actually like... We're deleting a source of loss, and on top of that, we're generating a new source of profit in addition to trading fees. So I think that's gonna that's gonna like be a huge differentiator. Like, yeah, other cha- exchanges can just lower their fees, but like in the end, that's that's not the only factor. You also have to take the tokenomics and the efficiency of the dex into consideration. So yeah. Hope that answers your question. Let me take a sip. <clears throat> Alright, next question. Uh Lucas Leusink asks, are you going to use the Genesis Go IDO platform for the IDO? Uh, no, we're not going to. Uh, we think like the, the type of IDO they did is good, um, but our type of IDO is gonna require some customization. And uh, yeah, so we're not gonna be using their platform. Cdog2121 asks, hey, so an uncomfortable question, and I don't mean it the wrong way. How is the security of the DAO set up? That is, does one person hold all the keys and could get hit by a bus or disappear. Accidents happen. Like how does a team security work? The human factor of security is important. I wouldn't want to over allocate if everything could go poof by an accident. Yeah, that's a totally legit um, concern to have. So I'll be hundred percent honest. This is not something um, I I am in the know about. So I'm not involved with handling the DAOs funds so yeah luffy would have a better answer for that so i'm going to tag him and uh yeah he can he can answer you later good question all right argw asks anyway flare holders could get some time of priority in the idea so again like um this is just another thing where like basically like any way you try to give flare holders an advantage over non-flare holders, there's only one purpose or like one thing this accomplishes and that is to pump the price of flares. Um, And the cost that this incurs is that it makes non-flare holders less willing to participate. Um, So like a similar example to this was people were like, um, can you make it so that flare holders Uh, can trade on Lifinity without any trading fees or get like 50% off or whatever. Uh, That one's a little bit different because... So what would happen in that case is all the whales who like trade huge volume, they would buy flares because they get huge discounts. Um, Like they'll be paying much less than they otherwise would. So basically what that would do is, yeah, it would pump the price of flares, but it would also screw uh Lafinity as a DEX because, um, their largest source of revenue, which is large traders, they get huge discounts. Um, so it just doesn't work. So similarly in this IDO scenario, like if we made it advantageous for flare holders, yeah. Okay. So people buy flares, price pumps, and then flare holders participate. Cool. But then there's a bunch of other people who are like, okay, well, I don't have a flare. I would have participated. Now I'm at a disadvantage to these other people. So I don't want to. And uh, yeah, I just don't think it's a good trade off. I mean, because the upside is that the price of flares goes up. Um, I have yet to hear like any, any good (laughs) argument for like um, privileging flare holders in uh, these types of ways. Um, Yeah, I think it's just to pump price. So I don't really see a point. All right. Next question. Doniba asks, any plans to expand the Laffinity pools to different chains in the future? Yeah, possibly. It's not out of the question. It's uh, certainly not our focus at the moment. Um, If we were to do that, it would involve... Like, we'd have to get creative, right? Because, I mean, like, one thing is we're dependent on Pith, the Oracle, right now. And they are only on Solana, as far as I know. Uh, maybe they have plans to expand and if they do like that could enable it but yeah would we have to use a different oracle i don't know and also like um it could it could make our mechanism exploit like I'm, I'm not sure i'm not i'm not 100 percent on this but like it could be difficult due to the 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 slower block times on other blockchains like for example if we did it on Ethereum. Um, What is the block time there? I forgot. Is it 3 seconds or like 14 seconds or something? Mixing my numbers up. But uh, like it's a lot slower. So is that going to make room for uh, exploitation? Like can we get, Is it make front running easier for example? I don't know. But yeah, there's a lot of things to consider with going cross-chain. Like right now we're just totally focused on becoming a huge liquidity provider on Solana, you know, and, uh, like not that we don't have our eyes on the future beyond that. Like, it's something we're like thinking about a little bit, but like, yeah, for the, for the most part, like, yeah, we're just focusing on, um, establishing ourselves on Solana first, have a solid foundation. All right, cdog2121 20, 20, asks, easier question, is there a place we can look live to see when the Flare NFT buybacks by the DAO occur? Yes, actually. Um, well, uh, I hope this is what you mean. But like, so we have a sales bot channel in our Discord. And uh, if you look near the top of each post, it says Flare sold for however much sold, And then on the left and right sides of that text, there's either fire symbols or there's a broom symbol. And if there are broom symbols, then um, that means that we swept it. So that's our bot buying it. Um, yeah, so that's how you can tell. Uh, I hope that's real-time enough for you. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> me one two three asks could we have a wallet for secondary sales and trading fees um so it's easy to know how much revenue we're making on secondary versus trading fees all right so we do have a wallet for secondary sales um, like every every time a secondary sale occurs the royalty is sent to our our wallet our buyback wallet uh, the address for that is in our links channel in our Discord. Um, and then trading fees. So, this is kind of tricky because, so basically, our trading fees are LP tokens. So, at some point, we have to withdraw those LP tokens and then separate the two tokens. So, for example, like the Soul USDC pool. We take out the LP token, so we get Sol and USDC. Then we convert the USDC to Sol, um, and then deposit all that Sol in the buyback wallet. Um, so the thing is, like, if we did this, like, it's not impossible to do this continuously, but it's not great, because um, if we just keep the LP in the pool, that means it's earning until we take it out. So, like, if we have no need for that, that extra, um, soul, it's, uh, there's no point in, like, taking it out early. So, better to just keep it in the pool until it's needed. So, basically, what we're doing right now is we're going to take out those trading fees on a weekly basis, um, about the same time when we announce our weekly buyback stats. And, uh, yeah, so... That way, like the, our LP tokens are earning throughout the week, and then at the at the last moment when we're going to release our stats, we can withdraw it into the buyback wallet. So yeah, it, so basically you 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 can like kind of guesstimate based on like volume and stuff how much trading fees we're making. Um But just wait for the weekly stats to see like how much we're earning. Like, I mean, I don't think it's like too important to know like how much we're earning on a daily basis. Um, I think weekly gives you enough information. I mean, like, cause there's a lot of volatility from day to day. Like you could earn twice as much as another day and that's pretty normal in crypto. Like the amount of trading volume varies a lot from day to day. So yeah, weekly should be good enough. And a second part of their question And could we do a USDC-USDT pool as a sort of hedge against crypto trading and extra trading fees? Um, Hedge against crypto trading and extra trading fees. Not sure what you mean, but yeah. So as we explained earlier, we're we're studying um, stable pools. So yeah, definitely plan to launch them. Um, I mean, ultimately, we want to have like every every pool we can right uh to maximize um volume so and yeah USDC USDT is a common pool so it's likely we'll have it um i do understand our pools will be balanced 50/50 with usd crypto um yeah i mean yeah we'll have stable pools too so yeah stay tuned i guess <laughs> all right sea dog 2121 asks, what is the estimated number of tokens per Flare? Um, So we kind of release a similar stat in our weekly buyback stats. Um, So like, originally, if we had done zero buybacks, um, well, actually, so so one thing I should say is, so we have promised 1% to the flare holders, right? But we haven't talked about our tokenomics. So we haven't said how many tokens in total we're gonna have. So it's kind of like not really meaningful to talk about the estimated or like the precise number of tokens. Like it doesn't matter if we have one million or one billion. What matters is that you get one percent. So um so okay, so assuming we did no buybacks, each flare would get point what is that point zero, 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 00001 i think did i get that right 0.0001% <laughs> zero, 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 of the supply of LIFINITY tokens um but because we don't we do buybacks and people list their tokens on markets um you will get more than that amount um and our On our weekly buyback stats, we show you what percent increase from that point zero 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 one percent you have, and that stat is in the bottom right corner. If you want an example, you can like scroll down in our Twitter, you'll see one. Or if you go to our announcements channel, you can find it. Um, Yeah. Continuing with the question. Uh. Understanding the 1% allocation in place. That is 1 billion total supply would mean 10 million tokens for flares. And then divide by non list flares, say 9,000. Would that mean around 1,100 tokens per flare? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so you, yeah. <laughs> I think you're, yeah, you already understood what I was talking about. But yeah, so yeah, I think you're thinking about it correctly. I wanna ask more about the tokens, but we'll wait to read the new draft content. Yes. Really excited to release our tokenomics. Um yeah. Alright. Triple Zero X asks, are there plans to expand the team with potentially more pools being added? Yeah, definitely. Um so like uh I'm not in charge of I mean so I'm not a I'm not a dev, so like I'm not qualified to <laughs> find people or evaluate them to add to the team, as programmers at least. Um, So yeah, I'm not really working on the team expansion side. Luffy is more involved with that, so he would have a better answer. But I think the answer is yes, we are looking to expand the team. Um, And then also with the pools, yeah, we're definitely looking to add more pools. Like, we're looking to add tons more pools. But like we don't want to rush things. we, we, we're just integrated with Jupiter, right? Um, and, uh, like, we take security and safety seriously. So, um, <clears throat> like, I think you guys know by now that, like, we take testing seriously. We do a lot of testing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, we're looking to add tons more pools. But, yeah, it could take some... Time. Uh we're we're not in a rush to um, just add tons more pools. Alright. Cobra Kletchen asks, is this using imbalanced LP ratio versus one-to-one? Um I'm not sure what you're asking. Can you maybe rephrase your question? And while you are, I will answer the next, next question. Binox asks. I'm assuming that the buybacks will also have a token allocation and will earn rewards for the DAO. Um, the buybacks have a token allocation. Oh, I see. You're talking about the bought back flares. Am I getting that right? Um, the bought back flares uh, will not have a token allocation. Uh, those are removed from, we will not we will not count them for the Lfinity token airdrop. Um that that is kind of the whole point, is that by buying them back, we remove them from the supply so that those who do hold the flares get more. Because you guys all want more, don't you? <laughs> um yeah, more for more for holders. Cobra clutching. Alright. Patriot Yoda asks, What is the biggest risk facing the protocol? Good question. Let's see. Um. What could go wrong? We could get hacked. Um. I mean, that's always a possibility. Our, our, our IDO could flop. Um let's see someone could be building in stealth and beat us to i don't know some better concentrated liquidity algorithm with the oracle um what else uh solana could just not deliver um The biggest risk facing the protocol. <laughs> like, I guess from my perspective, it's probably like smart contract risk. I mean, that one's like, it's really hard to evaluate, right? Um, so eventually, like, we'd like to get audited, obviously, and... uh Yeah, getting audited is very expensive and very time-consuming. So it's not something we've done yet. But yeah, we definitely want to do that eventually, Um, post ido Yeah, I guess from my, like, I think this is a subjective question, really, because, like, these things are so hard to evaluate. But yeah, from my perspective, probably, like, smart contract risk. yeah, like I'm also, like I said, I'm not a dev. So, like, it's not like I'm looking at the Lfinity code <laughs> and like evaluating it. Um, I just usually feel like for most protocols, like, that's the hugest risk is smart contract risk. I guess, yeah, for some other protocols, like, maybe competitor risk might be larger. Like, for us, as far as I know, like, um, I don't see anyone else doing what we're doing. And, um, like the efficiency that lafinity is able to provide is like pretty outstanding so like on that side i'm not as worried and also as you'll see in our tokenomics we have like the, the way our tokenomics works really protects against being forked um so yeah i'm not like too worried about that either um, maybe you guys, did, did you have like any other risks in mind that I didn't mention? While you're answering, I'm going to move on to the next question. Uh, let me take a sip. Uh, let me check on Twitter. All right, Twitter space is still running, looking good. I got a bunch of listeners. Thanks everyone for joining. About thirty people. Um. About Twenty-three on Discord. Wow, I didn't expect Twitter Spaces to be more popular, but cool. All right, next question. Lord Prince asks, seeing results from the first day of Jupiter integration. Will this implicate the end of, for example, radium and such, or do you still see protocols like them have other value? Um, yeah, so I think the constant product pools do still definitely have value um, because they are they are well suited for long tail assets, um, especially those that like aren't on centralized exchanges, because um, so the thing with Lafinity is that we're reliant on Pith, right? We need a price feed for us to be able to have a pool for an for an asset pair. Um, so, for example, I don't know what's a good example. Uh, what's a shit coin on Solana? <laughs> I don't want to call out any coin as a shit coin, but like, there's like tons of tokens that um, like don't aren't traded on centralized exchanges. Like they they just have a constant product pool somewhere, and they're listed on uh, Serum or whatever, but they don't have much liquidity. In that case, like we don't have a Pith price speed, so we, we can't really provide liquidity for them. And so, yeah, so for those tokens especially, I think um, constant product pools still definitely have a place. And like, for example, Radium, for example, they also have this nice functionality where they place all their. Um, pools liquidity on Serum. So like they have their own AMM pools and they also provide liquidity on Serum, which is pretty cool. So like how, how will competition between our exchanges end up? Not hundred percent sure, to be honest. Um, I think lifinity has a good chance of taking a large chunk um, of volume but yeah really not sure um, and like yeah as i just explained i think there's pros and cons to like both approaches um but i guess my take is that like lifinity will be able to take um like the majority of the share of the more major trading pairs so like sol usdc and uh what else like msol pairs and uh like bitcoin usdc like stuff like that and maybe the the medium medium medium-sized pairs um yeah yeah kind of a vague answer but yeah that's kind of my take all right rw asks what's the release schedule for the one percent of the tokens for the flare holders weekly monthly all at once So this we wrote about in the original article for the uh, flares. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to distribute it across one year. Um, And we're going to do airdrops once each week. So we'll airdrop 52 times once a week for a year. And uh, just give some more info. We'll be taking random snapshots throughout the week um, to see who holds their flares in their wallet um, we're making it random just so that it can't be gamed people so that like for example if if we announced it like people would just uh list them on exchanges and then withdraw them just for the airdrop and then i mean for the snapshot and then when the once the snapshot's over then just put it back on the listed on exchange or so like preventing stuff like that all right, next question, triple zero X asks, who would be the auditor for the audit? Um, let's see, I mean, there, there's a few options. I guess it's kind of in, increasing in the Solana space, but like Solana's is kind of known for like, because we have a unique architecture that's not uh, EVM. It's uh, it's in Rust and they're basically like blockchain security experts aren't as familiar with it yet. Like they're getting more familiar with it, but um, like most, um, security firms are like, they're more familiar with EVM, uh, that's Ethereum's, um, architecture. So, yeah, I, so like, let's see if I can think of some names. Like I've heard of Kudelski. um, who else was there? I know there's like at least a couple more major, um, security firms. do audits for solana projects but yeah basically like i think they're they're very backlogged and uh it just takes time for them to um, be able to um, audit your project and it's pretty expensive so yeah um we haven't decided yet (laughs) all right patriot yoda asks no specific risks in mind thanks for thinking that that one over yeah no problem Uh, Lambo production is a risk. (laughs) Not even sure what that means. (laughs) All right. Introvert monkey asks if there is a congestion on Solana, will we be facing more loss or risk because comparing to other pools, we need to communicate to the Oracle to get the current price. So if we can't get the correct price in time, we may encounter errors or larger and permanent loss. I tend to believe that the dev the excuse me i tend to believe the devs have considered such scenarios indeed they have so um there's a there's a few like safety measures in place so one is that if we can't get the price of the oracle then we just don't trade um and so the oracle it's actually like posting data on chain if i'm not mistaken So yeah, if that data is just like not there on chain, then like we just don't trade. So, so that's one thing. And, um, I guess another thing, like, I guess this might be a little bit separate, but I'll just go into it anyways. It's not really a congestion thing, but like in regards to volatility, um, when markets are volatile, um, different marketplaces can have different prices. And Pith is aggregating prices from different markets and taking a sort of average in a in a clever way that ma- that makes sure like um, it doesn't have uh, poor pricing. Um, but yeah, so for simplicity, I'll just say they're taking an average here. So um, and you can read more about how they do that in their Medium articles but yeah so they take an average of the price and that's what we're getting but if there's a lot of volatility say like okay this one exchange thinks Soul is like 100 bucks and this other exchange thinks it's like 90 bucks it's like wow that's a huge difference so one of them is uh clearly wrong and by a huge amount um but pith has uh confidence intervals um may- maybe not all of you are familiar with this um, statistical concept, but uh, confidence interval is basically like with X percent probability. We'll just say 95 percent probability the price is within this range. So, for example, an exchange could say the the price of Soul is 90 dollars, and the confidence interval is between 85 dollars and 95 dollars with 95 percent accuracy. So they're saying I'm 95 percent confident that the price of Soul is between 85 and 95 and so each exchange is like giving this data it's, it's giving the price of an asset and also a confidence interval for their their um the their price that they're giving um, and then pith aggregates those so anyways all that to say we we get a price data point but we also get a confidence interval and so we can use that confidence interval to uh, make decisions as to whether we want to trade or not for example if we get um this would probably never happen (laughs) but so say we get a price of 100 soul and the confidence interval is between 50 and 150. well this is like it's a giant um spread it's like it's so unconfident that the price of soul is 100. (laughs) that they need to, they need to expand the, uh, the range of possible prices to 50 and 150. Um, in that case, um, Lafinity will just say, wow, you're so unconfident of the price that we don't want to trade because that could mean we make a horrible trade. Like for example, we're selling soul at 100, but actually the price could be, um, like 110, 120, and so we'd be selling soul at like a much cheaper price than what it's actually worth. And so to ensure we never do that, we have like requirements on how tight the confidence interval has to be for us to trade. Um, that's kind of a long-winded explanation. I hope I was able to com- communicate that clearly. And uh, that wasn't even the question you're asking, but yeah, so like those are two ways that we um, try to make sure that we do not make, um, bad trades. And, uh, yeah, those are both based on how, or if we get data from the Oracle. <clears throat> All right, moving on. Cobra Clutchin asks, is the 50, 50 buyback versus reinvestment ratio fixed, or is that adjustable? Now, have you tested how changing that affects things and to what extent? So we have not tested um, how this would affect things. Um, I feel like how this would affect things is kind of irrelevant because like, the thing is, um, I mean, I guess what you're saying is like, what are we testing for? We're testing for the price of flares, right? I think that's what you're getting at. and, uh, like, a lot of the price of flares is based on speculation, not on how, how much buybacks we were doing. Like, over the long term, yes, it's, it'll be more dictated by, like, how much we're buying back. But over the short term, um, it's more driven by speculation, right? Like, that's why the price of flares, like, doubled within the past few days or so because people saw that, oh, we integrated with Jupiter and we're successful, so I'm gonna buy those NFTs. Um, and uh, yeah, so like, it's really hard to like, tell apart the effects on a short-term basis. But like, if we're doing like testing on a year long basis, like it'll take forever to get data. So it's kind of pointless. Um, anyways, so the first question was, is that adjustable? So in our original article, explaining the flares, we um, talked about the thing that the flare DAO governs is the bought back flares, and they do not um, govern the buyback mechanism. Um, That is essentially set in stone. So yeah, it will continue being this 50% 50 goes to buybacks and 50% goes to reinvestments into the liquidity pools, which will accelerate the rate at which revenue is generated for buybacks. All right. It looks like I've reached the end of the questions. Oh, just kidding. We have another one. Feely asks, to what supply on flares do we continue to buy down to? Um, If I understand correctly, you're asking like, do we ever stop buying flares? Do we ever stop buying back? Yes. Okay. So we never stop buying back. Um. Yeah, like we just keep generating revenue and um, we just keep buying back. And then a common follow-up question that seems to get is, uh, "What if there's no flares listed?" Well, in that case, uh, we just keep accumulating in our buyback wallet more and more soul until someone does list. And so basically, they can name the price. Um. And once they do list, we'll, we'll buy it back if we have enough solo, of course. Um, yeah, and I guess, okay, here's, let's see. Okay. We have a follow-up question from Cobra Clutchin asks, is it possible that a ratio different than 50% buybacks, 50% reinvestment will generate more revenue for the protocol? Um, do you mean for the protocol or for the Flare DAO? Because they're not the same thing. The flare DAO is the the everyone who owns a flare. And the protocol is Lfinity, which is governed by uh its governance token, Lfinity, LFNTY. Um. Well, aren't they all a function of LP fees? Um yes, but I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that you understand because like you're talking about the buyback me- mechanism for flares, but then you're talking about generating revenue for the protocol and they're not the same thing. Um, Cobra Clutchin is typing. Oh yeah, he also wrote maybe 75 75% reinvestment in pools and 25% buyback produces way more revenue for some unthought of reason. Um I mean, so if the goal is to um, maximize the amount of revenue generated, then yeah, 100%, you should you should 100% reinvest everything into the pools because then you're not doing any buybacks. So you're not, quote, wasting any soul on buybacks. You're putting it all in the pools. You're making it all generate more revenue. But of course, then there's no buybacks. So like you're earning for nothing, kind of. (laughs) Um, Okay. so what they typed out was so maybe your theory that 50% going to reinvest in LP With the idea that will generate more revenue dropped to flares which inherently drives value maybe 50 50 isn't ideal or misunderstanding i mean so like it kind of comes down to like like what you want to prioritize do you want to do you want to um do all the buybacks you can right now as soon as possible everything you earn just dump it into buybacks or do you want to take what you earned put it back into the pools so that um the rate at which you generate trading fees revenue for buybacks that increases um it's like which one do you want (laughs) and um i think 50 50 is like a good balance um so like if we change the percent to for example like you said 75 percent reinvestment into the pool and 25 percent buyback then we'd be buying back um, less. So, um, yeah, it would be generating more revenue, but the, uh, buybacks would be decent amounts slower. I mean, so, so you say, right. So maybe 50, 50, isn't the best ratio. I mean, I don't know. To me, it's kind of a pointless question because like it's subjective, right? Like some people want the price of their NFTs to go up Really fast right now, like they're not in it for the long term. So yeah, why come on, Lifinity? Put put all those all that revenue into buybacks. Don't reinvest any into the pools. I don't want that. I want price to pump right now. Whereas there's other people who are like, no, I'm in this for the long term. Like th- these NFTs are gonna appreciate over the long term. So reinvestment into the pool means in the long term it's gonna generate more revenue. Um, because that speed at which we generate revenue will accelerate. It's like basically, what's your um, time preference? Um, if you're short-term oriented, then yeah, uh, a, a different ratio. You prefer a different ratio. And if you're long-term oriented, you prefer a different ratio. Um, it's it's subjective. So like, it, there is no quote optimal um, ratio. So I think like the naive 50/50 works really well. Um, all right, Patriot Yoda asks, after the one year, 52 weekly airdrops to NFT holders, what is the value in holding? Yeah. So this is another common question. Um, so the airdrops aren't even the main thing. This is like a bonus. It's the, the cherry on top, as I like to say, (laughs) the main thing is that one we never took as a team we never took any profit from the sale of these nfts which means all the soul that was raised in the sale like basically the flared DAO, still owns that in a sense i mean they can't redeem their nfts for the underlying soul i mean not that they need to because they can sell it for a higher price than they <laughs> they'd be able to redeem it um but yeah like they're basically backed by all this soul and that generates trading fees for them, and that will never stop generating trading fees for them. Even after the one year, it'll it'll still keep generating trading fees, um, and that is the main mechanism. That is the one that continues forever. The 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 airdrop of Lfinity tokens is like the thank you for being our early supporters and bootstrapping our liquidity pools type of thing. Um, Yeah. All right. We have Cobra Clutchin typing once more. So I'll wait for his question. Let me check on Twitter, see how we're doing. Got around 22 listeners. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, let's see, so we've been at this for about an hour. Maybe I'll open it up to, um, the audience, um, especially on Twitter, since they don't have a, have the ability to write down questions. So maybe if people want to ask me a question on Twitter, they can raise their hand and I will, um, bring you on stage. All right. In the meantime, we have some questions back on discord. Let's see, where am I? Jason asks, how many people are on the Laffinity team? So uh, we have two types of team members, you might say. So we have core contributors, and there are four of us, Durden, Luffy, Zoro, and Maki. And then we have, um, I guess I'll just call them contributors. <laughs> Uh, on Discord, they have the uh, the role called Burninator. So they are um, contributing in one way or another to our protocols. And uh, yeah, they're they're not uh, core contributors. But yeah, so we have uh, how many Burninators do we have? I think we have two or three. Um, Might depend like when you ask, but yeah, so there you go um lon asks how can we participate in the growth of the protocol hmm kind of a vague question i guess it it depends what you mean by participate do you mean like financially or do you mean like how can you contribute to the growth of the protocol um both ways okay so financially the Two main options, I would say, are uh, the first is you can buy um, our Flare NFTs Um, that has exposure to our liquidity pools. Um, So that is one way. The other will be through our Lifinity token. Um, So we'll do an IDO and then even after the IDO there will be ways to acquire our tokens so those are the two main ways um which is better i don't know that is up for you to decide but yeah financially those are the two ways and then how can you contribute to the growth of the protocol let's see i think the main thing is spreading the word um some of our community members have done a great job of that and we really, really appreciate that. Uh, we can't like do everything ourselves. <laughs> um, so, like one thing about our protocol, like in particular our NFTs, I guess, is that um, compared to how other NFTs work, it's relatively complex because we like we mix NFTs and DeFi, um, and. Like as far as I understand, I think most people are in one but not both of like NFT and DeFi's. But, like they're they're deep in one, and very like very very shallowly in the other. But like we have a lot of people here who like come for the NFTs and like they have many questions about like how does this what's this like DEX thing? How does how does all that work? And um like some of our mechanisms for like how we use our revenue, like it's, it's not standard. So like um, it's really great when people explain these concepts to others in their own words, because like I have my own way of saying it, but it doesn't like resonate with everyone. But then when someone else explains it in their own words, like that often will resonate. So like just having different people talk about it in their own words is really helpful. Um, what else? Um, how can you contribute to the growth of our protocol? Indeed, the Laffinity model is quite special in my opinion. appreciate that, Lon. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think that's the main thing right now. Like, if if you've uh, been following us for a while, you know that, like, we've been trying to grow organically. Like, we... We don't resort to like spammy tactics to get attention. Um, like we're really just trying to be like a high quality project in every way possible. Um, so yeah, I mean like one downside of that approach is like, it's just harder to get eyeballs. Right. (laughs) Um, and it's like really dependent on your community members, um, sharing information with their peers so like that that is probably the number one way you can contribute to um helping our protocol grow um thankfully jupiter's doing like free advertisement for us now because we show up a lot on the trades (laughs) but yeah good question thanks for asking uh let's see leo crypto did this question get answered um will you look at raising the one percent token distribution yeah i did answer that actually I don't know if you're here. Uh maybe you missed it. But uh this is recorded, so you can always go back to it. <laughs> um yeah, I, I I think I talked about it like more than once, so I'm not gonna talk about it again, but yeah. Li- you can uh, listen to the recording. Uh Cobra Kletchen. So if the value of Lifinity Flare NFTs is highly tied to the speculation of trading slash LP fees produced by the protocol. I'm having trouble understanding how adjusting the ratio of reinvesting in the LP versus market buying Lafinity tokens would not affect the value in the short term and long term of the flares. Um, Just to clarify, so so we're not market buying Lafinity tokens. We're like with the revenue that the Flare DAO generates. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Market buy Lafinity flares. (laughs) um, would not affect the value in the short-term and long-term of flares. Um, let's see. So having trouble understanding how adjusting that ratio would not affect the value in the short-term and long-term of the flares. I mean, I guess I'll just say it again. Um like so if we adjust that ratio, so we we take all the revenue and we put it in the buybacks. Well, in the short term, that's definitely going to increase price faster than if we had kept it 50/50 because we have more funds for buybacks. Like it seems straightforward to me. And then if you do the opposite where you put all the funds in the reinvestment into the pool, well then there's zero funds for buybacks. So of course, um the price will not appreciate as fastly um i don't know like it seems straightforward to me maybe i'm misunderstanding your question not sure um let's see leo crypto what's the long term vision of lifinity yeah so This will become clear when we release our tokenomics. (laughs) I will say that it is unlike any other DEX. That sounded kind of (laughs) cringe. But, like, uh, there's an aspect of our DEX that is entirely different than any DEX has ever um, tried to do um, liquidity provision. Um, Yeah, and, like everything will be revealed with the tokenomics and our tokenomics it's going to be a multi-part series like it's a uh, it's unfortunately it's kind of long um and uh it may take some time to understand so alpha leak um, if you want to understand our tokenomics there are ways to prepare yourself and i highly recommend that you prepare yourself not just for our tokenomics but because like some of these things are becoming standard um in crypto in general so one thing is you need to understand um olympus and the the uh, the mechanism that they um pioneered called protocol owned liquidity this is where instead of incentivizing via um, liquidity mining, which is unsustainable, because you're basically just renting liquidity temporarily until your your liquidity mining rewards dry up. Instead, a protocol looks to own the liquidity. Um, so that's one thing, that's a concept you'll need to understand. Like, how does a protocol come to own liquidity? um how can it use its tokens to own liquidity and then the other one you'll need to think about is um curve and convex these are two pro- so olympus as well all these protocols are ones on ethereum but the the crypto primitives that they've pioneered are being utilized in other ecosystems as well. Like, for example, on Solana, you already see the concept of protocol-owned liquidity being utilized by, for example, Invictus and Socean. Um, and then Curve and Convex, they they have this thing called VE tokens. Um, VE stands for vote escrowed. And basically, Essentially, you lock up your tokens to get these vote escrow tokens. And then once you get the vote escrow tokens, those give you special rights. For example, the ability to vote or the the ability to get um, protocol rewards. Um, and so basically, these two concepts, they're very important to understand how they work. Um, if you want to understand how Laffinity's tokenomics are going to work. And I should also say for the curve and convex, it'll also be helpful to understand convex. And like, it, it's kind of unfortunate because it's it's quite complex. And yet like it's such a useful mechanism for aligning incentives. Like it, it, it just is important um, and so valuable. And so this thing is gonna keep popping up. It's already here on Solana in and, and, uh, and like a slightly altered form. In particular you have saber and sunny um they have ve tokens and um they're probably going to be enabling um bribing and like some of you are probably like what what the hell is bribing <laughs> but yeah so like these things are um going to be important to understand um If you're in our discord you can ask me later like happy to provide you with resources to begin studying up on these things um yeah so basically our protocol is going to be using these two concepts but we're going to be using them in a novel way that i think will make them more than the sum of their parts um it's not just a okay Let's do the standard thing, but then add on, add on some protocol on liquidity, then do the VE thing, and boom. Like, something we thought about very carefully. And it gave rise to a new mechanism that, like, makes our DEX function totally differently than other DEXs. And this is enabled, like, I think it's only possible because the efficiency that lafinity enables um, because we can concentrate liquidity um, and therefore earn trading fees even without tons and tons of liquidity in our pool and on top of that because we use an oracle it means we can avoid impermanent loss and instead make a profit from market making and so all these things come together to make the structure that we've come up with possible. So I'm like, I'm so pumped to reveal our tokenomics. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I keep saying, we're just like adding the finishing touches, polishing it up. Um, yeah, it, 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 and yeah, I should say, I guess I'll just mention that like, it's co- like I said, it's coming out in a multi-part article series And uh, we're probably going to do, like, we're going to create a video for each article, just me, like, talking through the article for people who prefer that format. And then also, um, uh, what was it? Wow, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yes, of course, of course. So, yeah, with each article, I'm going to create a video talking through it, and then we're also going to do an AMA, because I know people are going to have tons and tons of questions, and I will, I will do my utmost to answer every single one of you until you are all satisfied and understand what the hell we're trying to do. Um... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm gonna go back to the questions, see if I missed any. The affinity wars on Solana? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. (laughs) Oh, Leo Crypto wasn't Olympus Tokenomics a flop as it's a bit of an experiment. The price came crashing down. Yeah, so like that was definitely a thing. So like I guess I'll just mention one thing is that we will not have Olympus's insane like I don't know what was it like five digit APYs. Like that's not the the point. <laughs> um yeah. So um, yeah, like Olympus might have some problems, but like we're not Olympus. We're not trying to be a reserve currency for one thing. Um, but yeah, also we're not we're not gonna like try to attract people through ginormous APYS. Um, yeah. Basically, we're all about organic yield. So like I'm <laughs> I want to really spread this term organic yield. What I mean by it is um inorganic yield is basically yield created through inflation. Like if you emit a ton of your tokens, you can create any APY you want. And uh like the the simple minded among us just see this 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 huge APY. They're like Holy shit, I got to join this Um, and don't realize that, like, like, for example, if you're providing liquidity for a token and the rewards are in that same token, well, it's like, well, you're the, the token that you're holding in the, in the LP is being diluted, even as you're being rewarded. And like, people don't know how to factor that in. So that's one thing. And the other thing is like, when you're providing liquidity on exchange, there's actually zero transparency around impermanent loss. Like there's no metrics given for like, how much impermanent loss did you experience? Like they just show you the APY, right? Like we're already starting to change that because if you look at our exchange, the pools page, you'll see that um, we provide uh, not just the trading fees, um, but also uh, the, the trading fees plus the profit or loss from market making. Um, the thing is, like with constant product exchanges, if they had that stat, the the extra profit and loss from market making would always be negative. It's impossible for it to be positive. Um, that's, just, that's just how the constant product equation works. Um, there can only be an impermanent loss. There is never gain. Um, and we're able to reverse that. So we want to show that on our exchange, and like, like change the culture in a sense, like make that part more transparent. Um, yeah. So, help help me spread this term, organic yield. <laughs> All right. Um. Continue. See if there is uh, questions. <clears throat> okay, my pygmy asks, so there's a threshold rate at which LP percent ROI into a pool peaks. So at, at so a level at which putting more liquidity in reduces the payout to an individual LP provider. Right, so this is what I was talking about earlier. My question is related to the Dow liquidity. So the 15k soul. You might've missed this, but we have about 20K now, just so you know. Let's say we end up with four pools and we assign a value of 1.5 million USD as our capital. So one soul equals 100 USD. Okay. What is the APY return in fees on that 1.5 million from your tests so far? So let's assume 50% APY, that would mean 750k USD divided by 52, that would be 15k USD divided by 2 equals 7.5k USD per week buying flares. I'm trying to get an approximate percent APY fees from Laffinity pools to run this model. For reference, Radium was running at circa 30% APY from fees. Um, yeah, it's a common question I've been getting ever since the integration with Jupiter um the team may have run the numbers and got an estimate i know they did estimate like what share of total sole usdc volume we expected to capture and uh, the estimate was 40 percent um and uh i think that was roughly accurate you can like check right now on jupiter at least like uh what percent of sole usdc volume on jupiter are we capturing because they like published those numbers um honestly i haven't really looked at it and uh yeah so i'm not sure if the team ran these numbers to calculate the apy because like yeah i mean like the the, the team is not like trying to get an apy like what they care is about like what's the the total percent of volume we capture because like that's what we're trying to maximize in the end um, so yeah, I would guess not nothing is like, we don't want to advertise like, oh, if you, if you buy our NFT, we have this APY, like it's <laughs> like, I guess that's how you get new people to buy your, your NFTs. Cause like, that's what all these other NFT projects are doing. I guess we have so many people coming in being like, so what's the APY on your NFTs? I guess we're like comparing it to NFTs that have staking. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't think that's really the right way to think about it, For the staking that is at least, like, cause I get APY is, has two assumptions. One, the NFT, the price of the NFT you bought stays constant so that after a year or whatever, you can sell out at the same price. And two, the APY stays constant, or in other words, the, the reward token, the value of the reward token stays constant. Which I mean it's probably not true. Either it's gonna moon because the project is super successful, or it's gonna tank and will be very worth very little and in a relatively short amount of time. Um and ours, like ours, you can expect it to be relatively constant because it's based on trading volume. Um like assuming like we don't get out competed or whatever. Like trading volume is relatively constant across time. I mean like there's like it varies of course from day to day but like on like a monthly basis at least it's should be pretty constant well i don't know that's not true (laughs) i guess it's it's also very dependent on like how involved retail is at that time in the market um anyways sorry I, i feel like i didn't really answer your question exactly um but yeah like long story short i don't i don't have a percent APY to give you. Um I, I just want to leave it up to users to like do their own estimates. Um I don't want any confusion about like us promising some APY or whatever. Anyways moving on. Flywheel could the allocation to flare holders <laughs> potentially be higher than one percent of the supply? So I actually answered this question a few times earlier so you can check the recording after uh yeah when i when i upload it um yeah just don't want to answer the same questions again <laughs> lon are there economists or game theory big brains in the team uh no proper like like economists by trade or game theorists by trade i used to play poker and i studied math in university. I took one class in game theory, and poker, like, I don't know if you know, but I played Heads Up, and Heads Up, it's, like, all about the game theory. Like, it's all about using software to, um, <laughs> like, you're, you're, like, solving for situations. Like, what's the optimal percentage to take with each hand in this situation type of thing? Like, I have some game theory in me, but, like, I'm not sure how much, like, I guess the the way of like trying to think, how can I exploit this situation? I do have that mindset for sure. Like I'm always looking for how to <laughs> exploit a situation. Um, that makes it sound bad, but, um, but yeah, I'm I'm not. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a big brain. <laughs> um, all right, C dog two one two one. It is staying at 1%, but the amount of tokens that 1% gets you will increase as flares are bought back by the flare though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Uh, Alon says the impermanent gain is like arbitraging market inefficiency. If Laffinity goes mainstream, that might not be sustainable, I guess. Uh, Actually, I think I disagree with this. So. The impermanent gain, like, or in other words, buying low and selling high. Like, why can we do this? Is because we're basically copying other market makers. So, like, um, so you have, like, market makers on centralized exchanges, right? And they're, like, providing the the tight spreads on various token pairs. And uh, so either, like, those exchanges or those market makers are providing price data to Pith, and then Pith aggregates all them and gives us like a a quote average. And so basically we're we're utilizing the intelligence of various market makers, Um, like we're basically like in a sense copying them. So I wouldn't call it arbitraging market inefficiency. Um I hope that makes sense. Let's see. SMB six eight one. So if I heard that properly, there is now two plus soul backing each flare. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one way to think about it. Two two plus soul and then still got those lfm tokens too so but i mean no but no one knows how much those are worth so all right i have reached the end the end of the questions um i don't think anyone ever raised their hand on uh the twitter spaces so i don't know i could call it a day I could see if anyone wants to come on the Discord stage. I mean, it's already been an hour and a half. Maybe it is time to call it a day. You guys are tired of hearing me talk. Um, good questions. That was fun, and uh, we're gonna have we're gonna be having a lot more because we're gonna release our tokenomics, and that's gonna generate more questions. Um, yeah. So exciting times ahead. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Um, Yeah, I'll upload recordings on YouTube, and I'll also put it in podcast form so people can listen from their phone without having to go to YouTube. Um, Yeah, I'll post links in the Discord, and I guess also on Twitter. Yeah. So thanks again, guys. Great questions. Looking forward to more until next time. Cheers.